on Schreiber. Schreiber whip, scores! Now it's yeah. Fidel scores! Paul Rabel splits two and scores! Kylie Omiller showing off those shifty skills and finishes that shot behind Liz Hogan. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home! What a start! Welcome to the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we have all the latest news from all your favorite professional lacrosse leagues. We're happy to have you for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. As usual, I, Hutton, am joined by my co-host, Adam. Adam, how are you today? I'm good, Hutton. Ready to talk about some exciting games from this past weekend. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about all the games this weekend. We had some PLL, MLL, and WPLL games. Um, we also had our first trade of the PLL, which we'll talk about shortly. And then the punch heard around the lacrosse world as well. So we'll talk about that. Um, but first, let's get started with our fast break segment um, and give you your scores of the weekend. We'll start off with the PLL on Saturday. The Chaos, who are now 2-1, and one, defeated the Redwoods 12-11 in overtime, and the Redwoods fall to 1-2. and two. The Whipsnakes won their third overtime win in a row and remain undefeated against the Archers, who are now 2-1. and one. On Sunday, the Atlas, who are now 1-2, and two, handed the winless Chrome their third loss of the season, 13-12. On the MLL side, we had the Bayhawks outlast the Lizards, 16-14, to 14. the Bayhawks are now 2-0 and and undefeated, and the Lizards are still looking for their first win at 0-3. As for the WPLL, on Friday the Fight defeated the Brave 15-12. The Fight are now 2-0, the Brave are now 0-1. On Saturday, the Pride crushed the Command 18-5. Both those teams are now 1-1. Alright, so that concludes our fast break segment. Let's get into the first trade in PLL history. So we have attackman Jules Henningberg, from the Whip Snakes was traded to the Redwoods for defenseman Alec Tullett and a 2024th round draft pick from the Redwoods. So Henningberg will be going to the Redwoods while Tullett will join the Whip Snakes. Henningberg obviously leaves a crowded attack line with Reeves, Rambo, Drenner, and they even have Dylan Maltz and Connor Kelly who can also join the attack line. So he's leaving a crowded attack, but he's going to another crowded attack with obviously Clark Peterson, Matt Cavanaugh, Ryder Garnsey, and Joey Sankey. Tell me a little bit about what you thought about this trade, Adam. I think, you know, if, if you look at what uh, social media has been talking about, it, it, it seems like everyone's in favor of the Redwoods in this one, uh, getting Jules Henningberg. And obviously, he's a fantastic player. Of the two players he's actually been playing, if it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Alec Tullett really hasn't seen the field yet, but really, really strong defenseman out of Brown, second team All-American. Um, and people aren't really talking about that fourth-round pick, too. You know, with, with the small amount of teams, uh, a fourth-round pick next year is is going to get you a pretty significant player. So um, it, it's interesting to see it is a fourth-round pick and not a first, second, or third for, for a really strong um, attackman in Jules Henningberg. But, you know, Tellett may have not been playing yet, but he, he's been kind of stymied by a really strong defense that the Redwoods already have you know mm-hmm. they have Larkin Kemp on defense Landis he, he's just been not seeing the field because of a really strong defense Jules Sennenberg might not have been seeing the field that much um, as you said because of the really strong whip takes uh, attack line so I think this one might work out surprisingly for both squads no I agree I, you know I think you can run Henningberg out of the box you know at the midfield uh, get him that shorty matchup the whip takes already kind of did that a little bit um, so I think, you know, I think, I think it'll, it'll be a good fit for him. Um, and, you know, he's, he's got Matt Cavanaugh that he can work with. Um, obviously, Joey Sankey. And Clark Peterson has also been flying under the radar despite, you know, having a great rookie season as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that 
turns out, and like you said with Tullet, I mean, he was a solid defender at Brown. He was really monumental in their Final Four run in 2016. So, yeah, I think it is a win-win for both squads, and, uh, you know, it's an exciting trade for the first one. You know, these are two very good players that could make an impact on these teams. Um, so it, was a, it wasn't just a throwaway trade. It was a pretty big one for the first one in PLL history. It'll be interesting to see, too, um, what, what trades go down kind of going forward. This clearly was something that was probably in the works mm-hmm. probably for a few days or a few weeks already. If you, if you look at the timing of the trade, it, the, the, the clock started for the trade uh, option, uh, and this trade went down. So it'll be interesting to see what we have going forward. Absolutely. And another big thing is uh, these, these players don't have to pick up where they, where they were and go other places. All six teams are going the same places, so it's super interesting to see the dynamics that will happen um, when they're just going to a different practice field rather than changing cities as they would in the MLL. Yeah, that's actually a really great point, something I didn't really think about. It doesn't really change much since they're all going to the same cities. Um, so, yeah, definitely they can kind of just jump in and make an impact right away. Since we're on the topic of the Redwoods, I think we'll start out with the Redwoods Chaos game, which was a little bit chaotic. Um, But before we get into the big ticket item in that game, I want to talk about the game itself because it was phenomenal from start to finish. You know, the Redwoods got off to a hot start. They had a a two-pointer from Sergio Salcido, and then Matt Cavanaugh assisted Joe Walters on their third goal of the day. That gave them a 3-0 lead, but the Chaos, you know, quickly battled back. They got a transition goal, um, which led from a Riordan save. Um, it, it took an eight-second clear all the way to Miles Thompson, who scored. Um, and so they battled back. And this one was, you know, back and forth from start to finish. It, it really was a great game, um, and you know, it took extra time. You know, I, I think what impressed me the most, uh, though, was that both defenses were broken down pretty fairly easily in the first quarter. Um, you know, you had the chaos triple teaming Kavanaugh that left Joe Walters wide open. Um, that's how they scored their third goal of the game. Um, and then you had Redwoods switching on picks, which allowed Josh Byrne to get an easy sweep goal. You know, they, they kind of took a little while for them to wake up, but then the, the second quarter started, and it took us, I think, seven or eight minutes before we finally saw another goal. So, you know, the defense kind of came alive a little bit, you know, and I think what was encouraging is we talked about last week um, in the Redwoods loss to the, the Archers how they weren't getting that good of uh, two-men game play yeah. from the attack. And they completely took that to heart this game because Kavanaugh looked great. He was feeding. He was scoring. Um, you know, he had a nice behind-the-back goal. Um, Ryder Garnsey got his first goal. You know, they were all clicking. I think everybody on that, that line, maybe with the exception of Sankey, contributed. But, you know, even if he's not scoring out there, he's, you know, he, he's been used as a decoy. And I'm looking at it now. He had an assist. So, yeah, a lot of good production from their attack line. You had Kavanaugh, two goals, two assists. Joe Sankey had an assist, uh, Clark Peterson had a goal, and then Ryder Garnsey had a goal and two assists. So, you know, really solid production. Um, and I think Jules is going to step in and, you know, add even more to that. So, you know, really solid group play. They're not just going to initiate from the midfield line. Um, although Brent Adams, who scored in every Redwoods game so far, had a hat trick. Um, and he's been, you know, fine under the radar as well. He's been playing phenomenal for them at the midfield. Yeah. This this game really to me was exactly what Paul Rabel and the rest of the squad that started the PLL wanted a game to look like: fast-paced offensive, highlight real goals. What we'll talk about some some bruising and some highlight real fights potentially. Um, it's exactly what they were looking for. I don't, I don't remember watching 
this game really stuck out to me when it comes to um, the stick skills uh, from professionals in comparison mm-hmm. to the collegiate level. The the behind the back goals, the opportunities on fast break. It it was it was a fa- fantastic game from an offensive standpoint, despite not being the highest scoring game of the weekend. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you had Deemer Class had a nice uh, casual behind the back, you know, yep. and uh, and you had Connor Fields had four goals and assists. Miles Thompson had another hat trick and assist. Yep. I mean, I think that's the one thing too about this chaos offense is it's funny. If you would have told me that Miles Jones was gonna be this quiet. Three weeks in the season, I would have, you know, said, you know, this team's probably 0-3 then. And they've gotten so much production out of Josh Byrne, Connor Fields, and Miles Thompson. And even Eric Scott, you know, had a goal and an assist in this game that um, Miles Jones, you know, was blanked um, this game. He was blanked, I think, last game as well. He hasn't had to do much, um, you know, and I think once he comes alive, this team's going to be very scary. So, you know, look out, you know, and obviously, like I said, Josh Byrne, um, he had the, the game-winning goal in overtime, which really was a defensive breakdown by the Redwoods. He just got open in space and finished right in front. Um, and, you know, now they're 2-1 and one with a pretty good goal differential after their uh, blowout win against the Atlas last week. So they're sitting pretty good at 2-1. and one. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know what the Miles Jones thing is? I think he's in a unique spot that he's almost being a facilitator this year in comparison to having to take over an offensive mm-hmm. Um uh, offensive set when he was with the Atlanta Blaze last uh, previous years and uh, with the Bayhawks and whatnot. So um, it's really interesting to see um, him in a different offense. And I, I, I was laughing as I was watching the uh, the Redwoods and, and Matt Cavanaugh. I think he heard us last week talking to his brother up on the Outlaws, uh, <laughs> and he didn't want to be outdone. And, and he had a big week this week. No, absolutely. Um, so let's 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 talk about. The big play that overshadowed this phenomenal game, because this is what I had an issue with. Um, the game was great, and we're not talking about any of the gameplay. We're talking about one incident. The gameplay in the PLL has been phenomenal. I think we're looking at the best version of lacrosse right now. Um, and you know, I, I think I can firmly say that after three weeks, the pace of play has been fast. You know, thanks to the shorter field, 52 second shot clock. There's been physical defensive play, nifty stick checks. I mean, we've seen mesmerizing behind the back goals a lot of long-range two-pointers. It's had everything. I mean, you got five of the nine games in the Premier Lacrosse League so far going to overtime. Over half of the games have gone to overtime. It doesn't get more exciting than that. And what does the PLL choose to promote but a scrum that happened in the third quarter where it was Sergio Perkovic who got taken down, and then we got a little scrum, you know, where Jack Rowlett, he, he cross-checked Redwoods midfielder Nick Ocello. Um, his helmet came off. Then Blaze Reardon, the goalie, tackled Ocello. Um, and then Ocello got up and threw a punch that landed pretty, pretty heavily on Reardon in the helmet. You know, we had seen a lot of physical play um, yeah. from the past two weeks, and I was fine with it. You know, I'm fine with a little pushing and shoving. Um, but when I saw Reardon body slam Ocello and then Ocello get up and punch him in the face, I was like, all right, well, we're getting our first two ejections of the PLL. And what did we get? Nothing. We didn't get ejections. We got, we got penalties. Um, you know, Mark Lassini was called for a hold. He got given a 30-second. Jack Rowlett was called for a one-minute unsportsmanlike. Blaze Reardon got a two-minute unsportsmanlike. Nick Ocello got a two-minute unsportsmanlike, an additional five-minute misconduct for his sucker punch. And all these penalties were non-releasable. But I, I don't understand how you let that happen. Uh, and I guess fighting apparently is in the rule book. They announced yep. it on the broadcast. Um, but that's BS to me. You know, a player throws a punch. He's ejected. Three of the four major sports, if you throw a punch, you're ejected. Any level of lacrosse, you throw a punch, 
you're ejected other than the box lacrosse league. But we'll get to that because a lot of people have been bringing that up, and I don't think that's an excuse to introduce it to the field game. This really got my blood boiling just because the reaction after, not only was it that, okay, this is allowed now in the Premier Lacrosse League, but people are praising it, and people are saying it's good for the sport, and I just completely disagree. I, I completely disagree. I'm fine if you want to, you know, let some, some skirmishes go, you know, some pushing and shoving in the heat of the moment. That's great. I talked about that last week, how I like that. But don't tell me this is good for the sport of lacrosse. And don't tell me that you care about the other aspects of lacrosse because we had an overtime game-winning goal. And what is the photo they chose to post on social media for this game recap? They posted the, the fight, the, the fight. picture of Rosello and throwing the punch. I mean, that's what you're going to make the game about. It's one thing to allow fighting, and if that's what the PLL wants to do, then so be it. But to promote it, I mean, they are partners with U.S. lacrosse, a governing body for youth lacrosse and promotes safety within the game, and you're going to allow fighting? I mean, give me a break. Like, and this, is, this wasn't even a good fight. Like, people want to say, well, it's, it's allowed in hockey. You know, hockey allowed. Okay, well, first off, hockey's moving away from it. Um, you know, sure, it's still allowed. It's within the, the rules. But, you know, it's a pretty hefty penalty even if you do fight in hockey. You kind of screw your team over. Furthermore, they're moving away from it. The Olympic Hockey Committee doesn't let them fight. Um, and guess what? I don't think the Olympic hockey is any worse than NHL hockey. And you want to talk about the box lacrosse? Okay, fine. Why should I still allow it in the PLO? Just because another version of the sport allows it doesn't mean you should allow it in Premier Lacrosse. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in my article coming out. Um, but I was very shocked at how the PLO handled it. And it's one thing, like I said, to allow it in your game, but to actively promote it. Premier Lacrosse is still put promoting this fight rather than promoting the phenomenal lacrosse we saw on the weekend. And that's the problem is this fighting is a distraction. It is not good for the game. You know, if you want to allow it in the game, that's fine, but don't make it about the game. And that's what they're doing right now. There are so many better things. There's 99 different reasons to watch the Premier Lacrosse League, and the fighting is not one of them. I mean, let, let me read you a tweet that the Redwoods tweeted out on Father's Day, the day after it happened. Quote, thanks to my father for teaching me that. Shout out to Steve Ocello. Unquote. Dash at Nick Ocello. So Nick Ocello s said that, and then Redwoods say, Happy Father's Day, question mark. I mean, that's the tweet you're going to send, and they, they link the video to it? That's what you're going to put on Father's Day? Are you kidding me? What example are you teaching these young kids? And I don't want to hear that, oh, the PLL is not supposed to be the parents. Um, okay, they don't have to be the parents, but the PLL has also talked about growing the game, partnering with U.S. lacrosse, um, running the PLL Academy and these different day camps, they're very involved in the youth. So if you don't want to be involved with the youth, then don't go and do these extra stuff off the field and tell me that you're about the sport growing. I talked to Paul Rabel. I talked about his vision him and Mike Rabel have for the league. They want to grow the game throughout the United States. They have a beautiful vision. But you're going to tell me that they're going to put fighting at the forefront of this league? Then that kind of vision goes out the window for me. You know, you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. And I just don't feel like they're doing that with this. Maybe I'm overreacting right now. Maybe we don't see as much fighting going on. But, you know, people are like, oh, it's a one-time incident. The Chrome game. You saw uh, Galloway get knocked over. And guess what happens? They start tackling each other. I'll sh you can look at the video on our, our website. They start tackling each other. I mean, if I want to watch pro wrestling, I'll go watch pro wrestling. If I want to watch lacrosse, I better watch, be able to watch lacrosse, 48 minutes of it and not have to worry about stupid fights 
that interrupt the game flow because this this fight not only did this fight interrupt the game flow it took him eight minutes to come to an announcement I, I timed it. it took him eight minutes to come to an announcement on what the penalties were and then another three before we actually got play that's 12 minutes in real time that's a whole quarter that we we had to wait before we could resume play so don't tell me this is good for the game if, if the PLO wants to promote fighting um, that's fine if you if you're going after those meathead fans that that want to see the violent aspect of the sport sure that's the, the fan base you're going to go after but don't be surprised if this decision alienates both the current and potential new coaches parents players and fans um, that you've been you know trying to actively recruit to watch your product um, the same fans that have been tuning in weekly to watch the best players in the world um, not grapple and throw punches but play lacrosse at the highest level the sport has seen no i i completely understand where you're coming from and and have to agree that I'm, I'm not a big fan of the promotion of the fighting. Now, I mean, at, at the same time, it's it's in the rule books that it's it's something that happens, and both you and I have played and have definitely gotten heated before in games, and I completely understand that. It's in the rule books, but I, uh, I'm i not a big fan of it, obviously, but I can understand when, when players get heated, things happen. Um, they, they do get the penalties. I understand that they weren't kicked down. They got, they got those penalties, but at the same time, not a big fan of, of the promotion of it. There's too many great things about the league to start promoting uh, that side of the game. Um, like you said, from the NHL, NLL standpoint, they, they definitely have the fighting side. I think the NLL honestly has more fighting uh, than the NHL has just from, from the games I've watched over the last couple of years. So um, not a big fan. Uh, of the promotion side of it, but completely understand um, the, the the fighting in the game in terms of the heatedness, but not not a big fan of it overall. And hoping hoping this doesn't become something that people know the game for. I, I think that's something that you want to know the game for the highlight reel goals, the awesome saves, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to to the fighting, yeah, I can no. see from just both of us being communications majors, I can see how. I necessarily wouldn't do it, but the utilization of of these things may grab fans' attention, but maybe for the wrong reasons, like you said. So um, it and like we saw Barstool, a, bu- a bunch of accounts um, that you might not see uh, tweeting out highlights of the game. We're tweeting out uh, the the fight scenes and and those types of things. So uh, intriguing and interesting concept for them to to take that route to in terms of kind of no holds bar, all, all options. All... But where do, they draw, where do you draw the line, Adam? And I, I, know, I know you said that, you know, like, like you said, it got them views, and I get that. You know, I get, obviously, it's bringing you attention. But my point is, you eject these guys, you still have the whole skirmish that happened. You still get the attention. You know, you're not losing any, any more attention by it. You include it in the highlight, um, but you don't promote it, and you don't allow it. Um, so I just think that's ridiculous. And, and the thing with box is people want to say, well, you know, box lacrosse, it's allowed. All right. yep. tell, me, tell me the last time you, you mentioned a box player. There's a lot of great players that, you know, grew up with the box game and came over to the field game and really performing. You got the Thompson brothers. Um, you know, you got Zach Greer. You, yeah, you got, you got all these guys that grew up with the box game and are now playing at a high level on the field game. When do you ever mention, oh, that guy's a, a great lacrosse player because he learned how to fight in the box game? Yep. You never talk about that. We don't talk about that. Stick skills. Exactly. You know, we talk about their crea- creativity. We don't talk about, um, you know, their brutality from playing box lacrosse. And don't tell me about these sports like NHL and, and NLL because I get it. It happens in those sports. And guess what? 
NHL is trying to move away from it. You know, that you don't have these enforcers anymore. You have faster and uh, smaller players now. And sure, it's still part of the game, but it's not the end-all, be-all of the game. You get these guys, and they're still out there playing hockey. And, I, you know, I really like to believe that these guys are out there still wanting to play lacrosse. You know, so I, I give them that, but don't, don't make it about the fighting. And, and that's what the, the PLL did this weekend. You know, they had a real opportunity to, you know, show what they were about and set the tone for the season. And I'm afraid that this is going to become more of a distraction than anything because we had three phenomenal games this weekend from the PLL. And what are we talking about? We're talking about the fighting. You know, we haven't even gotten to these other two games, and I, I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think I think we're kind of saying the same thing in different ways. And um, if, it, if it's in the rule books to say that it's allowed, maybe I, I'm fine with them not getting uh, ejected from the games, but hoping hoping that it doesn't kind of lead to more fighting. I guess we're kind of sa- same two sides of the same coin. Yeah, no, no I, I agree. And um, I just think, too, you know, I think this was a short-term uh, media buzz for them too. You know, you, they got a lot of attention from it, obviously. Um, but I, if the goal is to get on Sports Center top ten, you're not getting on Sports Center top ten because of a stupid little fight between a you know a third-line midi and a goalie. You're getting on Sports Center top ten because of a phenomenal play, um, you know, like the Connor Fields one that we saw last week. So um, that's just my two cents. You can re- read more about my my opinion on it in my article. Um, you, know, you can tweet at me whether you agree with me or not. Uh, you know, Honestly, if you disagree with me, I'd like to hear more about it. And I feel like right now I'm in the vocal minority, but you know, hopefully there's some people out there that are sane. Um, but anyway, yeah, phenomenal game. Unfortunately overshadowed by that incident. Um, and I would have said that was probably the best game, honestly, of the Premier Lacrosse League so far if it hadn't been for the game that followed at the Whipsnakes Archers. So why don't you go into that a little bit, Adam? Sure, man. That was... Uh... Uh, of all the games, it was it was a pretty exciting one to see two undefeated teams, two teams that got there um, from a pretty distinctly different way. Um, but it, it was a fantastic game to see. Ended up coming down to what else? Overtime again. Um, for the third week in a row, the Whips were able to pull one out um, after a failed clear. Um, Ryan Drenner, for the second week in a row, was able to uh, drop one in uh, during the overtime period. Uh, to give the Whips um, their third win. They're atop the leaderboards um, for, for the PLL. Um, it was a tale of kind of two, four quarters, two halves. Um, the first quarter was pretty much dominated by, by the Whip Snakes. Um, whether it was on the offensive side, they were winning 4 nothing at the end of the quarter um, behind a couple um, Terps goals from Chaninchuk and, and Rambo with the assist to Chaninchuk on that second one. Then Burnmore came up huge in the in the first half, uh, in the, and specifically the first quarter, uh, came out with eight saves. Uh, of all the goalies over uh, three weeks, he's been the most dominant for me. We've had some really strong um, games from from the likes of rookie uh, Timmy Troutner and Jack Concanon. Um, but he's been the most consistent of all the goalies I've watched, and, and that was kind of one of his goals um, in a few interviews I've watched to, to be more consistent this year, and um, he's definitely done that. But uh, after after his dominating performance in the first quarter, uh, Tommy Schreiber, Captain America, came out with an absurd second quarter mm-hmm. um, in, in a bunch of different facets, three goals, three assists um, in that second quarter. And at halftime, the, the Archers were on top, 7-5 basically um, off of all his fantastic opportunities, whether he was passing, whether he was shooting, it was just absolutely dominant, one of the most dominant quarters we've had um, all season from 
an offensive player. Third quarter, back and forth, um, both ways. Same with the fourth quarter. Biggest difference in the fourth quarter um, was was Kelly uh, for the Archers at the faceoff X. Wasn't doing too hot um, up until the fourth quarter and came up big in the fourth quarter to help them um, recapture the lead at one point um, in the fourth quarter. Um, and we ended with a flurry of saves from both Gittleman uh, and Burnlore at the end of the game to, to get us to 10-10. And don't you know it, as I said, um, saves from both goalies again in overtime. Um, and then Ryan Drenner drills another one off a failed clear uh, to give the, the Whips their third victory of the season. So fantastic game. Another great opportunity to to showcase offense um the pll was looking for and and some really awesome awesome defensive battles as well so um whether it was marcus holman ryan drenner fantastic game on both sides um these are two of the top teams obviously that came in both undefeated um and i think after this week i'd still consider them both two of the top two teams Mm -hmm. no yeah it had everything we wanted and expected out of this matchup on um i mean how about that that two-pointer to send it to overtime, and then, you know, Drenner, Drenner coming out and oh, getting the overtime winner two weeks in a row. I mean, this guy's got ice in his veins. Um, you know, great game. But uh, it, it really got me thinking, though. Um, you, yeah. I mean, I think you covered it all from the game standpoint, but imagine if Pat Spencer didn't declare this weekend that he was, you know, playing basketball for Northwestern. Imagine if he was on that Archers team. I mean, yep. oh, man, they would, they would be stacked. Um, and they're playing phenomenal without him. Um, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe it would have meshed up their mojo that they have on on offense. Oh, man, I mean, I, I can't wait to see him hopefully join the PLL next next year. I mean, if he joins the MLL too, that, that'll that be exciting. Um, whatever league he joins, he's going to be a star to watch, uh, human highlight reel, Pat Spencer. But uh, we wish him the best of luck at Northwestern. We'll be... Uh, We'll be watching that basketball program closely next year. You know, I, I know we're a, a pro podcast and a pro site, but man, it just got me thinking. With all the with all the collegiate lacrosse on the women's side, I've been watching over the last few years um, with his transfer to Northwestern. Man, I, I can only imagine what it would look like one day to have a, a Big Ten men's program at Northwestern. I'd, I'd be pretty excited to to have that added on to to the docket for the Big Ten. No, absolutely. You know, and I, I think that would. That would add an interesting dynamic to the teams that are already in that conference. So, yeah, no, we'll be interested to see. That concludes our Whipsnakes Archers, though, recap. We'll go into the Chrome Atlas game, um, which was another heartbreaking loss for the Chrome. I mean, they, they, they seem like they've, they've got it at some points, and then I think they just have these, these mental mistakes that kind of kill them. I mean, they, they went up 5-1 at one point. And it was that two-pointer in transition that they let the Chrome score with three seconds left in the first that really gave the Atlas the momentum back. And then, um, then the Chrome, you know, didn't score any in the second quarter. They went down 8-5 and a half, and they still came out a little bit flat. Um, but they, they eventually worked their way back. Eventually, they took a 10-9 lead at one point, um, headed into the fourth quarter. Um, but the Atlas came back and, and extended their lead to 12-10. Um, and you know the Chrome, they, they just never fought, or they, and the Chrome, you know, they just never, they never laid down and died, um, and they came back and tied it up 12-12. Um, but you know, Busick, 48 seconds left, put the dagger in them, 13 to 12 win uh, for the Atlas. The Atlas get their first win, and the Chrome are headed to Baltimore, you know, looking for their first win still. So we'll see, we'll see what happens out of that. 
Um, they have another tough matchup against the, the Redwoods next week, so you know it, it doesn't get any easier for the Chrome. Um, but you know they, they do have some bright spots. Um, you had uh, you had you, they did have some bright spots though. You know you have uh, Justin Gutterding. Um, he had three goals and two assists. Jordan Wolf had a goal and an assist. Um, so they're definitely they're they're right there. But um, you know something's got to something's got to change. I don't I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's something defensively that sure. Coach Starza tries to implement. But um, yeah, they're they're struggling. You could if you you listen to John Galloway's post game, you know he he could tell he's he's a little disappointed in himself in Cage. Uh, he feels like he's letting the guys down. Um, but he but he's he's confident that they're going to get back on track. So we'll be watching them closely. Um, yep. We we will talk about it a little bit later who we're going to pick in that game. But we we have essentially a, a Duke Notre Dame matchup for them next week. So yep. Duke historically does well against Notre Dame players. So we'll see how that turns out when they take on the Redwoods next week. Yeah, no, it it it, it shows the parity in the league and how how close fault the these matchups are, and it, it just it's so interesting to me to see see the whip snakes who have gone to overtime how many times and are three and zero, and then you see the Chrome who have kind of gone 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 down to the wire at the same token and are zero and three, and the parity in this league is is pretty substantial. Um, and it it shows that those small plays, those ground balls, are, are what makes the difference in, um, between winning and losing. And it, I'm, I'm excited to see how they bounce back, you know. they mm-hmm. Every week in those post games, John Galloway and, and Justin Gutterending has said one one play changes kind of that win to – that loss to a win or a win to a loss. And um, I, I was joking as a goalie, I saw – Galloway was wearing some baggier sweats this week. I was wondering if he was thinking that that was maybe hmm. one extra save here and there. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great game to watch. Another strong strong battle. Connor Busick, Ryan Brown, Dustin Gutterding played played phenomenal. So um, great game. Unfortunate for the Chrome to to go down to to the bottom of the barrel in terms of the standings. But um, I, I wouldn't count them count them for dead yet. Yeah, we'll we'll see what they they end up doing if they can bounce back. All right, now uh, we'll go to the WPLL side. Um, so we had uh, two very different games this week for the WPLL. This is their second week. Uh, we had the Brave play the Fight, which was a close game and very high scoring. And then we had the Pride and the Command, um, which the Pride just dominated the Command, and it was never even really in doubt for them. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the Brave fight a little bit. Sure, yeah, no. Uh, Katrina Dowd. Undoubtedly, player of the game, four goals and one assists for the fight. Taylor Cummings, um, maybe not on the offensive side of the ball as much, just one goal and one assist, but had four ground balls, dominant at, at the draw control, uh, five draws, one, and even had three cost turnovers. Um, rookie Elizabeth George out of Princeton, one of my favorite uh, underrated players in the WPLL for the fight this year, had her first goal of the season. Um, but on the Brave side as well, um, last year's WPLL MVP Mary McCool had a bunch of goals and an assist in the game. Um, number two pick uh, Dempsey Arsenault for the Brave also uh, got on the leaderboard for for the for the goal side of things with a couple goals and an assist. Um, this year's number one pick as well Sam Apuzo um, had a hat trick for the fight. Kayla Trainer uh, was pretty dominant for the fight as well. 
um, the back and forth battle between the two. Um, and last year's um, really dominant player, uh, Kylie Miller coming up with a couple late goals uh, for this one uh, to, to bring the fight to a couple uh, goal victory over the Braves. So um, Brave came out pretty hard after not playing uh, during week one. Um, and the fight, just as dominant as they were um, in, in their first victory of the season. So uh, when it comes to the leaderboards, uh, the, the fight are definitely at, at the top for me. Obviously, they're the only 2-0 and team, but um, whether it was a win or a loss, they were going to be at the top of my uh, rankings for, for WPLL. It's clear that they're the team to beat right now. They have so much talent on offense, I mean, on both sides of the ball. Um, and the fact that they're undefeated, obviously, is important, too. But they, they beat the Pride 6-4 in their first game, and then the Pride went out and dominated the command. Um, so I, I just think, you know, the, the fight just have proven that they're, they're the team to beat right now. Um, and the Brave, I think, will bounce back. The Brave also, um, you know, had a, a phenomenal game. And like you said, it was close yep. till the very end. The score, even though it was they, the fight ended up winning by three, it was pretty much neck and neck till the the last four minutes um, when the, the fight just got a few goals just to put the, the win away. But really great play so far. Um, we're excited. We're both going to watch them next week um, in Baltimore. Yep. So that will be exciting for us to watch um, in person. I haven't seen a WPLL game yet, um, and I don't think you have. Have you either? I, I've watched all the games online, and they, they have some pretty But in person. Intriguing. Yep, no, not in person yet. And uh, uh, for, for those who don't know, they, there's a little bit difference when it comes to the rules and and the uh, the free position shots, there's only three options for a free position, uh, and there's um, and a, one less defender on the field uh, as well for the WPLL. So uh, they they they've been really creative in terms of uh, creating more fast pass fast pace um, offensive game for for the professional women's league, and uh, they're just doing some really cool things. So I'm excited to see them in person for sure. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be great to, to watch them. Um, and we got the Pride Command was the game on Saturday. So Brave Fight was on Friday. Pride Command was on Saturday. That game, very lopsided. The Pride got off to, I think, an 8-1 uh, lead yep. at one point and never really looked back. Uh, they, they ended up winning 18-5. to um, And that was a big improvement for them because they only scored four goals in the last game. So to only score four goals in the last game and then, you know, score 18 in your next game is a pretty big feat. So they moved to one and one, where the command, coming off a big win against the fire, ended up dropping one to one. And yeah, they just couldn't really get anything going on offense, it seemed like. But player of the game's got to be Pride's Haley Majorona, um, with four goals, three assists, including the first two pointer in WPLL history. And she also had a nifty hidden ball trick as well that ended up uh, fooling the command completely. Um, that's definitely going to make our top plays this week. Despite the, the blowout, it was still very exciting with a lot of, you know, great play from the Pride and a lot of, you know, fun goals to watch. So definitely I'm, I'm pumped to see this, you know, in live action next week. Um, and, you know, next week we have um, two games before the PLL game. So it will be the Brave and the Fire, um, who are both 0-1 playing each other, looking for their first win, and then followed by the Fight Command, which will be an interesting one. You know, the Command get blown out. Yeah, it was it was an awesome game to watch despite the score. You know, just showed how how high powered the the Pride's offense is, and they pretty much everyone 
that was playing on the offensive side of the ball scored for them well, it was Alex Ost, Marilyn Grad, who had four goals. Sammy Drew Tracy was dominant um, from the draw control. Molly Stevens out of Florida, three goals. Um, on the command side, third overall pick, Kenzie Dent out of BC. I held her own with two goals on the day for the command, but it, it was there was just never a doubt that, that the Pride were going to take this one. And um, kind of going off the first game as well that we were discussing, every week is not more important, but just as important mm-hmm. when it comes to the WPLO because they only, they're only playing five weeks before uh, going to the semifinals and championships. So every week is more important um, in the WPLL as they're playing uh, just five uh, regular season weeks. So um, whether it's the fight who are 0-1 or those teams that are um, kind of in the middle at 1-1, um, they're, they're playing for playoff position. Um, the fighter in a good spot at 2-0, and um, and and we'll see what happens kind of going into next week in Baltimore. I'm really excited to see uh, firsthand uh, what the play is like in person. Going from that, we have only one MLL game this week, but it was probably one of the most exciting games. Honestly, if you didn't watch lacrosse on Saturday, I don't know what you were doing because you had two overtime games in the Premier Lacrosse League, and then you had a thriller in the Bayhawks-Lizards that was back and forth. I mean, you had four lead changes and five ties in this game, and there probably would have been more ties if they kept not scoring two pointers to jump over the other one. Um, so you had the two oldest teams in professional lacrosse uh, in terms of the field game with the Bayhawks and the Lizards. Um, and if you told me, Adam, that arguably the MLL's biggest star, Rob Pinnell, and the Lizards would start out 0-3, I would have called you crazy. But that's where they're sitting right now um, after another heartbreaking loss. You know, they've been close. Um, barely lost to the Outlaws, only lost by one to the Cannons, um, and now you know they lost by two to the, the Bayhawks here, 16 to 14. Um, again, another team that's kind of like backs against the wall. I mean, it's an early, it's early in the season, but you know you gotta start stringing some wins along if you wanna, you know, do well in the playoffs and yep. and win a championship. So they definitely have the talent, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what needs to happen here. They, they, I think. The defense right now is kind of a, a little lost. They're a lot like the Chrome in the, that regard, whereas it's like the little things. You know, they had a failed clear um, that thankfully Ben Rantel got in the way and ended up saving. Um, the defenseman from out of Ohio State, he's actually cousins of my one friend Ryan Lachlan, who I played lacrosse with. Um, but shout out to Ben Rantel, who ended up on a failed clear somehow making a save on what it looked like to be a sure Bayhawks goal. And then you had Austin Cout, who you know, had some big saves too, but you just can't win when you give up 16 goals. So I, I don't know what, what needs to change for the Lizards, but definitely need to reevaluate what they're doing on the defensive side, you know, letting up that many goals. Um, but don't get me wrong, the Bayhawks have a great offense. I th- honestly think the their attack with Lyle Thompson, uh, Steele Stanwick, and Colin Heacock are probably the, the best, you know, in the MLL right now, yep. arguably. So we can't discredit their talent on offense. Lyle Thompson doing Lyle Thompson things, you know, with the one-handed flip passes to the nifty box-style goals. Um, I mean, he had five goals to assist, and six of those points came in the second half, so he just went off, and the Lizards really had no answer for him. Um, Stanwick also adding three assists was nice to see in his second uh, game of the season. So, yeah, the the Bayhawks look good. You know, they're undefeated right now, 2-0. and um, look, They'll look to keep that rolling. Um, but it was a really exciting game. But i, I got to say the best play of the game was Cout, 7-yard assist 
to Jeff Ray, and they gave him the assist, which was great to yep. see. You know, but um, it's kind of funny watching the difference between the PLL and MLL field. It's only a 10-yard difference, but for some reason the MLL fields look so much longer. Yep. Um, and you know, we see these great assists from Austin Cout. You know, goalie 70 yards. Um, so props to Cout for getting his first assist of the season. Maybe he'll have some more. We'll see. But you know, overall. Uh, a great game to watch, um, and we hope the Lizards can kind of turn it around and get their first win next week at Boston. So we'll see if they can get their first win of the season. They lost to Boston earlier, 13-12, to so it's definitely a winnable game for them. Um, but something's got to give sooner or later for them. Yep, and, and that goes to the parity of the league as well. Like you said, the, the Cannons are at the top of, of the leaderboards in the standings. Um, with the Bayhawks 2-0, and Lizards at the bottom 0-3, but only lost by a goal, so it doesn't mean they're out of it already. You know, There's a lot more weeks to go when it comes to the MLL. Uh, Lizards could be right back in there with a win this week. Yep, absolutely. So we have a new segment um, that Adam and I are going to do, and we're actually going to choose who we think is going to win each game in the PLL, MLL, and WPLL each week. Uh, we're going to tally up who does the best at the end of the season, I don't know, maybe winner gets the other person uh, lunch? I don't know. What, what do you think, Adam? Uh, I'm, I'm all for that. All right. So we'll start out with the PLL games. We have the Redwoods versus the Chrome on Saturday. Who do you like in that game, Adam? Uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm taking the Chrome. They, they've been so close for so long now, and uh, the Redwoods have been playing well as well. But I, the Chrome got to come out on top at some point. They've been on the wrong end of those one-goal losses for, for so long now. I'm taking the Chrome. I'm taking John... Galloway having a big game um, and, and leading them to victory. I, I, you know, I really want to take the Red Ones, but I'm taking the Chrome as well for a little bit different reasons. Uh, if you look at the rosters of these teams, you got a lot of Notre Dame guys on the Red Woods and a lot of Duke guys on the Chrome. And historically, we know Duke has had Notre Dame's number. So I think the Duke guys pull one out, and uh, I think the Chrome get their their first win this week as well. There you go. All right, so the next game we have is the Atlas Whip Snakes. So the Whip Snakes are undefeated, and the Atlas are just got their first win. They were sitting at one and two. Who do you like in that game, Adam? I'm taking the Whip Snakes in this one. I know the Atlas just came off a victory, but if you if you told me the that before week three, the Chrome kind of handled the Atlas very easily, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised. So um, I think they figured some things out on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but I think the Whip Snakes' offense is too dominant. Um, I think the Whip Snakes are going to pull it out. 14 of those 20 guys are, are Maryland grads, and Alice have a bunch of Hopkins guys on the team. So that battle is always going to be a battle, and I think the Whip Snakes are going to come out on top. Uh, I'm going to choose Whip Snakes as well. You know, I think they've shown that they, they pull out these wins, and is it too much to predict that it's another Whip Snakes overtime win? <laughs> so they've had three in a row so far. So um, what would a fourth be? Odds are probably better that they end up winning in overtime than that they don't at this point. So uh, I'm going to take the Whip Snakes as well. All right, our third game from the PLL on Sunday is the Chaos. Our third game from the PLL on Sunday is the Chaos Archers, which we'll see in person. Who do you like in that game, Adam? I'm thinking the Archers bounce back uh, after their OT loss this week to 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 get another victory and and get that second seed currently. Uh, in the standings over the chaos. All right, well, I'm going to go with the chaos. I think the chaos are hot right now. Um, you know, I like the Archers team a lot, but I just think the chaos, the way they play, they, they can score 
six on six settled offense. They can score in transition. Their defense is great. You know, at Reardon, you know, really um, leading that defense and having a lot of, you know, great saves in these games. Um, you know, he's really coming up big for them. And not only is he coming up big, but he's also pushing the envelope on transition. So I think the chaos keep rolling and get their third win in a row. I just I can't bet against Captain America and Tommy Schreiber, especially after what he did this week. No, understandable, understandable. All right, now we got the MLL. So we have two games. We have a Friday game, which is the Dallas Rattlers versus the Atlanta Blaze. Um, who do you like in that game, Adam? Uh, I don't think it's questioned that Blaze are one of the top three teams in the MLL this year. Uh, unfortunately, Rattlers are at the, the, the bottom of the league. And um, just for, from a team standpoint, I, I think it stays that way. And, and Blaze pulled this one out. Maybe it's not um, as lopsided as one would think, but I think the, the Blaze are going to pull this one out pretty easily. Yeah, no, I, I got to agree with you. You know, I think uh, Randy Stats and Shane Jackson are going to put on a show. I think the Blazers are going to win pretty handily against the Rattlers. We'll see. You know, maybe they'll make it interesting. But like you said, I agree. The Blazers are definitely in the top three teams right now in my book, and the Rattlers are sitting down at the bottom. And, you know, I really don't know if it's that close. Great. All right, and our second game from the MLL this week is the Lizards at the Cannons on Saturday. Who do you like in this game, Adam? I think this is going to be another close matchup. It's going to come down to the cage, I think. We already talked about Austin Cowell's going to have a big game, uh, and and the Lizards are going to finally get in the win sheet uh, with the W this week. I agree. I think, you know, Pinnell had a hat trick this last game. I think he's going to come out and have another um, big game, and I think this time they get it done on defense. Um, I, I don't think the Cannons are as good as their record. Uh, I think they're a good team but I think they're definitely beatable. I think they tend to play down to team's level. I mean, we saw they got out hot to the Rattlers. They got out hot against the Rattlers last week, but kind of let them creep back in the game. You know, it was never really in doubt, but um, I think they have the tendency to take the foot off the gas a little bit, and I think that might hurt them against the Lizards this week. I agree. Who do you like in the WPLL this week? We got the Brave versus the Fire in our first game. Who are you picking? I'm going Fire in this one. Um, I know... Uh, the Brave came off a pretty close loss uh, just this week, this past week against the the fight. Um, but I, I think they're they're going to pull this one out to get their first victory uh, of the season. Um, I know it's it might not be something that's. Uh, let me start over. You're fine. I was pulling up the Fires uh, team at the same time. Um, you know what? In this game. I'm taking the fire. I know the the Brave uh, came off a, a close fought loss against the fight uh, in week two, um, but I think the Fire have a really strong uh, squad as well. Despite the the week one loss, uh, Taylor Van Thos, rookie out of Loyola's, I think is going to be pretty dominant at uh, draw control, and they have another uh, fantastic player in Michelle Tomolo uh, out of Syracuse. You you name it, they have a, a stacked squad as well from. From her to Hannah Powers, um, they have a really strong, strong offense and defense uh, as well. So, and I, I think I'm also kind of loyal to them. Still being a former Philadelphia team, the Fire, uh, I think I'm going to take them in this one. All right. Well, I'm going to go Brave because I think you know they put up a lot of points against the Fight, who I consider to be the best team um, last week. I think you know they're looking for their first win. Obviously, so is the Fire, but. Uh, I think the Brave have shown me a little bit more, so I'm, I'm going Brave in this game. 
and then the second game, I got to go with the fight over the command. You know, they they beat the pride, um, six four, and the command got crushed by the pride. So, process of elimination. I think the fight are the best team, and I think they're gonna pull one out. I think it's gonna be closer than we think, though. But definitely think the fight are gonna beat up on the command this week. Yeah, I, I think after two weeks, uh, the creams rise to the top, rose to the top. Um, fight of the best team in the league. I don't think it's going to be uh, that much of a fight, um, and they're they're going to pull this one out pretty easily. I, their their roster is two stacks to not win. Absolutely. All right, so that concludes our game picks of this week. We'll see who ends up being right, who ends up being wrong next episode. Um, so. We're introducing one other new segment. It's the question mark, I like to call it. You know, I named it after the question mark dodge. And this is where you guys can submit your questions to us. So obviously we don't have any questions this week. But next week we hope to have some questions from you. So you guys can tweet at us at ProLacrosseTalk, DM us on Instagram at ProLacrosseTalk, or email us at ProLacrosseTalk at gmail.com. If you took an issue with my opinion on the fighting in PLL, tweet at me. Let me know. You know, I'd love to hear it. It doesn't even have to be a question. It can be... You know, statement as well. I'll respond to it. Um, so, anything you guys want to ask us, feel free to send it in, and we'll we'll try our do the rest to answer them next week. All right. So, our final segment is overtime, and that's when I ask you, Adam, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? I'm looking forward to being in person for some of these games. We'll both be there on Sunday to watch the the two WPLL and PLL uh, game on Sunday. I, I can't wait to see. The, the synergy and the energy that as at Homewood um, at Hopkins uh, on Sunday and to finally be in person with you to watch a couple pro games. No, absolutely, and that goes along with what I'm excited to. I'm excited to watch some live lacrosse with you, um, especially WPLL, which I've only watched online so far, um, and I really haven't seen too many of the women's games, period, so I'm really excited to watch it live and in person. Probably going to be a big event, you know, we're at Homewood, um, which you could say is one of the most historic stadiums in lacrosse history. So it's going to be a good one. Hopefully they get a good turnout. Um, we'll be there to, to aid in the, the turnout. So it's going to be an exciting exciting weekend of lacrosse. All right, that concludes our Episode 3 of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Um, if you guys enjoyed the episode, please let us know. Feel free to subscribe. Um, we have a website that is now out. I know we've been teasing it a lot. It is now officially out. Go to our website. We have recaps up there. We have videos. Um, we have opinion pieces like my um, fighting opinion piece. Feel free to take a look at that. We're going to have features on these athletes um, in you know the different leagues. I'm doing one on the Give and Go Foundation, which is Adam Gilman and Scott Rathless Foundation, where they try to spread lacrosse throughout the globe. Adam's going to get an interview with Joey Sankey that he's got lined up, and he's going to write an article on that. Um, obviously, Joey Sankey coming back from two major knee injuries as well as cancer. Um, and now he's playing professional lacrosse again, so I think that's just a phenomenal story, and Adam's going to have that for you on our website. So please check out our website. Um, let us know what you think. Feel free to uh, send us your email and subscribe for our newsletter. We're going to be sending that out. Um, so some really great things going on for Pro Lacrosse Talk, and we're glad that you guys are listening and hopefully reading our stuff. So um, that concludes our this week's episode. Um, we hope you guys join us next week, and this has been another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk.